Welcome to The Round Barn, a podcast devoted to all things livestock. Our goal is to offer provocative insights, challenge conventional wisdom, and never be boring. I'm your host for today, Kaylee Hillinger. Joining me is Dr. Jim Lowe, a large animal veterinarian and member of the faculty of the College of Veterinarian. Well, let's not start calling me a large animal veterinarian. I mean, there are some things we have to be careful about. You are on the faculty <laughs> of the true. College of Veterinary Medicine at the University of Illinois. Hi, Jim. How are you today? Good, Kaylee. How are you? I am excellent. Thank you. Today, I'd like to talk to you about ASF, African Swine Fever. I feel mm. like that's where you insert your mm. wah, wah, wah. Yeah, that's, that is the wah, wah, wah. be the right sound for that. <laughs> in case any of our listeners are not embedded in the swine industry and hearing about ASF constantly, give us a quick reminder about what ASF is. So ASF is a viral disease, and as you suggest, it's African swine fever, so it originated in Africa and has really been endemic there for a long time. The cool part about ASF is it's the largest virus we know of. It's this huge DNA virus, hmm. but we know very little about it. It's been really, really hard to study, so it's, um, it's been an interesting deal. Why we're all cranked up about it is that there was an introduction uh, – almost 10 years ago now into the country of Georgia. Uh, so not uh, the state of Georgia. Not the state. No, Perfect. they're different. Um, and Georgia, Bashanis Feely was from there. So, you know, that's important. <laughs> so that was a basketball player at Illinois. These are the important facts you have to know about. So uh, ASF was introduced into this genotype 2, which is different than what floats around in Africa most of the time, was introduced into Georgia. Uh, and has spread really across all of Eastern Europe and then has moved to China and throughout Asia. So everybody is all in knots because uh, they've not been successful at eradicating it out of Eastern Europe. Uh, and really now we've got spread and China's turned into an unmitigated disaster uh, for okay. the industry. So the threat is, is that we get it here in the U.S., um, and the big threat, if we get it in the U.S., is is that it's a foreign animal disease, and I put that in quotes. It's not a disease in the U.S., but it's got trade implications. So it's all over the world right now? Um, not in Western Europe very much, okay. a little bit in Germany, uh, but certainly in Eastern Europe. There's a lot of pigs in Eastern Europe. It's yeah. certainly all over Asia. Um, it's obviously in Africa, not a lot of commercial pigs in Africa. Quite a few pigs in Africa are not commercial, but it's not, and it's in the Dominican uh, Republic. It's in Haiti, uh, so it's on Hispaniola that uh, that island, but it's not made it um, made it to the mainland. But the big concern is it's everywhere, but it's not here, and we export a lot of meat. Mm -hmm. And if it is here, we can't export because our trade partners won't take it. Okay. So my question for you about all of this is why is it not here? Um, that fits in the category. If I knew that, I would be in the Bahamas drinking my ties <laughs> and not talking to you. I would not be on the faculty in the University of Illinois because I would be so wealthy that I would get on with it. Um, that is one of the great mysteries of the world, right? I think there's two or three things. Um, everybody's gotten panicky about ASF, but you know, ASF doesn't transmit very easily. So unlike things like foot and mouth disease or, you know, really other common pig diseases or cattle diseases, we don't get rapid transmission of ASF. It's only transmitted primarily in blood or in meat. Um, and it has not appeared, it's moved around Europe is what I was going to start to say, really by human move, not pig move. Okay. So, as, so people going from barn to barn? 
No, people carrying their sausages around. Oh, it's their meats. Infamous. Yeah, their meats. They're carrying around. It's like, you know, it's not the Arby's. We got the meats, but it's the uh, European. Uh, we carry the sausage for lunch. And so ASF survives in even dried sausage for really, really long periods of time. It's really stable in meat. Okay. And so the running joke in Romania is, is that there's a 500-year supply of ASF in all the freezers there. <laughs> Fantastic. Because... Um, you get in parts of Eastern and Romania has been the worst of, of Eastern Europe. And so in, in that part, there's a lot of village pigs. I think it's the best way to put it. So there's small holders. All they do is keep pigs around and they butcher those pigs as part of the Christmas celebration holiday stuff. Well, if those pigs are infected and they butcher them, all that meat's infected. Right. Put it in the freezer. It's stable for a really long period of time. So when they take that meat back out of the freezer, or take it even if they're making fancy sausages and keeping those sausages, that meat itself is contaminated. And if you look at, there's been some really nice work that truck drivers are eating a sausage, driving around a salami, mm -hmm. a dried sausage, and they throw out the scraps from their lunch. Wild boars eat the scraps. Then those wild boars get infected. Oh, okay. Wild boar infection. I was thinking about garbage feeding and some of those well, other challenges that's, that's we overcome. The scare, that's the scare in the U.S., Okay. So we don't, we've got feral pigs, uh, but the fear is, right, oh, you get it in the U.S. and you get contaminated stuff, you got garbage feeding, you know, those are all the big deals. But the virus itself has kind of moved around with people movement, not with pig movement. And I think it maybe makes a bigger mystery why is it not here. But, yeah. Because um, a lot of people come into this country, but I think it says something about CPV or Customs Border Patrol and their ability to control meat entry and the beagle brigade and all the that dogs, stuff. Right? the dogs right yes, yes the beagles sniffing you when you come in right and that's really what they're focused on saying how do we detect meat and then there's some fruit pests and don't ask me that question because i don't know but there's some fruit pests <laughs> that they're very worried about as well so they're trained to sniff fruit particularly from asia bringing in you know um, bugs primarily so do we know if the beagle brigade has actually caught asf positive meat no they will not they release won't them. test no, or no, they no, won't. no they don't release that information oh so they do test though so someone knows yeah if it is there somebody should know that's right i mean okay. so if you i don't know if you've ever seen the pictures kaylee but um those have been put out like at o'hare mm -hmm. the pounds upon pounds upon pounds i mean it's tons of food that they find in food coming in the beagles and the scanners and everything else and so yeah, my understanding is there is a testing process going okay. on there. There's and they're screening for more than ASF, right? They're screening for all these things, but saying, ah, what's really happening there? But they don't want to really it's national security stuff, right? They're like, ah, oh, we don't want to tell people what we're doing and how we know. And so that process is guarded in secrecy for good reason. But certainly that process appears to be at least this point working pretty well. Um and then the other lucky bit is right, in the US, if you look at in Europe where they've had issues in commercial pigs. They have a lot of smallholder village pigs where they've got these pigs and you've got this endemic reservoir and then they're dragging that into the commercial population. Okay. Well, in the U.S., right, we don't have very many people that work on pig farms. Right. And so a lot of people... But we have a few people that work on a lot of pig farms. That's true. Like veterinarians. Yep. Um, you could always autoclave your veterinarian. That would solve some problems. <laughs> uh, but the... Right, but the bit is, right, so we think about people traveling overseas, so they go to the Dominican on vacation and come back. You know, there's a lot of resort stuff, right? They come back and like, ah, they're going to bring infected stuff back. But yep. the majority of those people, even if it would bring it back, if they're in the city, 
they're not going to contact pigs anyway. And so any garbage they bring back probably ends up in the landfill, you know. So I think if we look culturally where we're at, we've got a little bit less risk just how the U.S. is organized. But uh, I don't really know um, why... I don't know why we don't have it here. I mean, it. you would say we should, but boy, we just... We, we all thought we would. Yeah, thank goodness, we, thank goodness we don't because we're not ready. That's a discussion for another day. Yeah, it is a discussion for another day, but so thank goodness <laughs> we don't. But yeah, no, no, no. We are, we are, there's a lot of preparation being made, but we're not ready for it. Um, I think if you look at the other diseases, particularly been in the pig world, right? So we brought in 2014, we brought in PED or porcine epidemic diarrhea virus. Um, I hate to even use this word coronavirus, but it is a por porcine coronavirus. Mm -hmm. um, very, very different than the other coronavirus. Um, but that virus, right, is really stable, but it's shed in the feces. So anything that has poop on it um, could have been contaminated. So we think we brought that in with some soybeans contaminated out of Asia, et cetera. Yeah. And so we've been focused on the feed route, but feed isn't as, doesn't appear to be as nearly as big a deal on um, ASF. It's probably primarily, you know, like, what are we doing with meat imports? And we've been pretty good at that so far. That was part of my next, where my line of thought was. So if meat is the number one concern, what's number two? And I was thinking you were going to tell me feed. Well, I think but feed maybe still is else. a concern, but I think it's an order of magnitude. And one of the big challenges we have with all of this biosecurity, how do we keep the country safe? We have a big understanding of what's possible. We don't have a big understanding of what's probable. And so you start playing whack-a-mole and you hope you're guessing the most likely routes because we don't have a very good feel for what's most likely. Mm -hmm. We know what could happen, but we don't know which one's most likely to happen. Okay. Um, and that's really a problem with all of these biocontainment, biosecurity strategies. You got all these things. Well, it could, could it be in air? Could it be in mosquitoes? Could it be in meat? Could it be in feed? Could it be in, yeah, it could be all those things. And so we don't have, or haven't figured out a very good way to say, oh, it's most likely in this pathway, it's this thing. And we should spend the most energy on that. And so after the, I mean, feed would be an easy one to pick off the top because it goes in so many different directions once it arrives as an import. Right. Is yeah. that what you mean as far as the magnitude of impact? Well, that could be the magnitude of impact because that's what we kind of proved probably with PED that once we got it here, it was everywhere. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it was over here quickly. But can ASF transmit in feed? Yeah, we got really clear evidence that it can be in feed. What we don't know is how likely is feed to be contaminated. Yeah. Okay. Um, and we don't know how likely is meat to get past... Customs of border protection or how likely I can know, tell you my sister lived in Germany and she brought us some sausages and felt very proud that she got through the Beagle Brigade until I told her the implication of it. You should have sent her to jail. That was illegal. Edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> but um she didn't know. Um, she didn't. Yeah, well, And I think that's a that's a problem is the normal person going through doesn't understand why those rules are in place and the consequences of breaking them. And I also think it's really hard when you say we're going to put up these filters, for lack of a better word. So my, my example I always give people is like you get on an airplane, you've been through airplanes and security and TSA. And mm -hmm. so several years ago, pre-COVID, whatever that was, uh, I was flying to Oklahoma. You know, I'm a veterinarian, so I have things like necropsy knives occasionally yep. with me. So for some reason, I dropped a necropsy knife. Now, 
for everybody to get your head around what my the knee crafting knife I use, it's it's a six blade, six inch boning knife. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's got a black plastic handle, with six inches of stainless steel boating knife. It looks scary yeah, to looks the common scary. person. Yeah, it would be scary to the common person. And and so this thing was in my briefcase. Didn't think about it. Apparently, I cleaned it and sharpened <laughs> it and thrown it in there. Put it back in my truck or something and forgot to take it out. I flew to Oklahoma, got to the farm, was rummaging in my briefcase and cut my finger. <gasps> And realized, oh, there's a necropsy. I went all the way through yeah. security with this necropsy. Yeah, I'd flown with this thing. Oh, my goodness. Right? So thank goodness I didn't find it because I think it would have been bad. Uh, but that, right, and that's a pretty good system. Everybody, none of us aren't looking at that going, oh, that's a bad system. I'm not banging on the system. I'm just saying when you set up something and the goal is to catch everything, that's really, really hard. Yep. And there's so, a certain percent that meets success. That's right. And things will fall through. Yeah. And if you think about how the necropsy knife make it, well, it's a thin piece. It's high carbon steel. It doesn't show up on x-rays very good. Yeah. Boom, 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 right? You you can get it. Oh, it's probably in a thin profile laying next to a laptop or something and see, oh, it just got screened out, right? They just missed it. Right. Um, Same with the sausage my sister brought from. That's exactly right. They brought it through. It isn't that the system's bad. It's just that you can't be perfect in any of those systems. Right. Whether that's feed or sausage or whatever. And so I think we sit up every day and you can't. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that stuff. People get all cranked up with me and say, oh, you're no, no, no. We should be doing those things. But we can't say that's the only way we're going to keep it out. And we can't say that that is going to be foolproof. Um, I think we feel like it's foolproof. And then we let our guard down. And so my concern with ASF is not that we don't have it yet. It's that we don't have it yet. And everybody's pretty tired of talking about ASF. Yeah. And are our systems in place? What's going to fall through the cracks there? And is everybody going to get tired of checking and give up and we let our guard down? Right. Um, and I think if I look at ASF, that's our biggest risk. It's that it's not happened. And everybody's like, yeah, it hadn't happened. Mm-hmm. Must not be that bad. So, um, I don't know why it's not here. That was the question you asked me. Mm-hmm. I'm actually probably less worried about getting here now than I was. My experience, I have a good fortune to spend some time in Romania, a little bit in Lithuania, working on farms that are infected. Um, it's really hard to move. Like These farms are in literally surrounded by African swine fever positive villages. Mm-hmm. When I say surrounded, I mean a kilometer away. Okay. Or... 150 meters away and there's infected pigs we know it we don't you know you just know they're infected they're all infected and yet we don't get these commercial farms infected with kind of reasonable biosecurity i mean anything it's radical but i mean it's what we would do here in the u.s yeah so i think it's pretty hard to move so that makes you feel better um but when's the beagle brigade get distracted yep I'm using that generically, right? I mean, the dog isn't going to get distracted. But when are we going to get distracted and say, oh, we're going to go on and do something else and see what, see what happens there? What falls through the system and then the next system and then and the, the next, next system. system. And then disaster happens. Right. We don't know. We don't know. That's if we, we did, we'd be sitting in the Bahamas. Yes. And if we do get ASF, I think I'm going to go back to Spain cats. And I can't even do that. <laughs> 
You better practice. I know, you better but, find I, some but barn I am, cats I am, to I am too. On. I'm too old to fight another one of these battles. I've done two. I've done PERS and PED. I'm not doing a third one. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing your insights and opinions. Great. Thanks, Kelly. That. Have a great day. You too. Thank you all for joining us. Please subscribe and tell your friends about The Round Barn. It's available on iTunes or the podcatcher of your choice. One last thing. In addition to this podcast, we offer a wide variety of online learning products for livestock producers and veterinarians, including a Master's of Veterinary Science degree. You can learn more about those by visiting online.vetmed.illinois.edu. Thanks for listening.